Welcome to the seventh edition of Behind the Helmet, where we're joined by NTT IndyCar Series driver Stingray Rob. I'm your host, David Hoffman, and I'm joined by the driver of the number 51 Honda for Dale Coin Racing with Rick, with Rick Ware Racing, Stingray Rob. Stingray, how you doing? I'm doing well, David. How are you? Yeah, doing pretty well. We both are kind of like on a little bit of a less sleep, but uh, I guess we'll tell you about that. You were at Coda yesterday for the NASCAR Cup race. Yeah, yeah, we got to go to Coda this last weekend with Rick Ware Racing. Uh, just got to support Cody and Jensen. Um, they had their work cut out for them this last weekend, but it was fun to be there for the whole show. Um, I mean, it was crazy. the The fan turnout was great, and I think there was over thirty thirty four cars, thirty five cars there on the grid. So you talk about a big field of of drivers there. It was it was fun to watch. And you, man, you mentioned uh, Jensen Button. I mean, that's got to be pretty crazy. Did you get to talk to him at all? I mean, former F1 champ, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I did get to say hello um, right before he was getting in the car, but he was focused up and ready to start driving. So I didn't want to bother him too much, make sure that I was just there supporting him. And uh, he knew what he was supposed to be doing. He didn't need me to tell him anything. Yeah, he did a pretty decent job, what, 18th after all that melee there at the end. So <laughs> definitely kick and play with that. Um, Absolutely. So. Yeah, one week down um, in the IndyCar season for you. Uh, finished 16th, right? I believe I should have the stats. But um, yeah, so one week down, did it sink in at all that you're an IndyCar driver a little bit more? Or is it still a little bit like surreal in a way? I think it did sink in a bit more. Um, and I think that I said this on the last time we talked was, you know, I, I think that once I got into the race, that's like when it finally clicked, like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Um and so I, I think that the realization of like what I'm doing is IndyCar racing now is true. And uh, off track, I, I still don't really feel like it is. You know, I was walking around the paddock yesterday and people would recognize me or whatever else. And um, they see the NTT IndyCar logo on my shirt or whatever. And it was just like another another day at, at the racetrack for me. But for them, they're like, oh, wow, like congrats. Like so good to see you here. Like what are you doing here? And like I got to sit in on the driver's meeting for the the rest of the drivers there and you know I, I felt like i was sitting next to legends which i am I, i'm sitting next to living legends in my mind i'm still a race fan very much so but um yeah it's cool to be in a situation where i can kind of enjoy life as a driver and as a fan all at the same time um so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it i think now it's more of a realization of going forward how do i get further up in the field you know saint pete was a crazy race and so for me um, I just know I want to do better and I know the team is capable of doing better. So we're just going to keep working on that. And obviously we got Texas here, another crazy event, but we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, a little shout out to our viewers on YouTube, uh, with over 220 views you guys were the, who made it the most watched episode of behind the Hel behind the helmet with Stingray Rob. And, uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, hopefully we continue to get those numbers up, <laughs> but, um, Maybe we'll do a little giveaway with merch whenever that stuff gets off the boat. I mean, who knows? I like it. That sounds great. But, uh, you know, starting off, you know, take me through uh, the weekend at St. Pete, uh, going through the motions of an IndyCar driver walking through the paddock for the first time and, you know, going through just everything with uh, an IndyCar driver does during the weekend. Yeah. Um, the actual event was amazing. You know, I think this is one of the best turnouts that St. Pete has had, at least in a long time. Um, and so for me, it was cool to see the fans just walking around, um, you know, running, running through pit garage there. And, uh, you know, we had a bit of a rough weekend. I hit the wall Saturday for, in practice. And so the team had to work their tail ends off to get the car back together for qualifying. 
And even then we were still on our back foot. So qualifying wasn't near as well as we wanted it to go. Um, but like the overall uh, feeling of the weekend, I think was, you know, not so much overwhelming, but just kind of like feeling out what it's like to be an IndyCar driver now. Um, I think emotionally, I felt very, very calm and collected and I no pressure, you know, we're, we're kind of just setting the standards, right? Setting that baseline so that we can work from that for the future. Um, and so it's kind of funny sitting on the grid right before the race. I had my mom next to me um, doing like the whole national anthem and everything. And um, she was freaking out. It seemed like I was like, mom, like, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? And she's like, yeah. Are you not like nervous? I'm like, no, I think I'm less nervous now than I was a year ago starting here for the Indy lights race. She's like, huh, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, it is weird. Oh, well, and <laughs> something went on, whatever. But um, it, it was kind of cool to feel that that sort of calm and confidence that has come from from time in the seat. That's kind of cool because it's like you're like, obviously, it's natural to feel a little bit of nerves, but like it shows us like I guess the maturity as a driver, knowing that you know what to do. You have a great team behind you and, you know, just kind of the moment's not too big. And I think that's going to only continue. And maybe you'll have a little bit of nerves with the Indy 500 since it's <laughs> The Indy 500 here in May, but um, yeah, it's just that's just you know, you can tell that it's like you know, like that transition, like you know, you're ready for it type of thing, yeah. And I think also part of that was you know, the the, the nervousness, the fear that you have going to a race is like a what if, you know, what if this happens, what if that happens. And I'd already experienced the what if when I hit the wall on Saturday, I was like, that was worst case scenario, I already know what that looks like, so it can't get any worse. And then we had the pile up at turn three there on the on the race start, so I was like, okay maybe that's how it does get worse, but we actually kept going. So it worked out well. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, that calm, cool collectedness came from, uh, you know, just the way that the weekend went, you know, there was no pressure to, um, put it on pole cause that was already done and dusted and we had to move on from that or no, no, no pressure to, you know, even have a podium, you know, it, it was a long way up the field. And so to, to finish where we did, I was pretty happy with it. It was just survival. And uh, there's a lot of other guys in the championship that are now behind us that have finished pretty well in the, in the last few seasons. And you mentioned uh, lap one, their crazy turn three, uh, Meyer Shank Racing, all their guys got knocked out. Devlin Francesco goes airborne. It was one of the weirdest <laughs> slash, you know, kind of scary incidences like that we've seen. Is incidences a word? Oh, incidents. Goodness, it's just early, go. man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just revoke any credit I had there. Um, but you know, that was an awkward type of wreck. Just you know, you were involved with it as well. I know they had the one camera, you're sliding, you know, trying to get out of the way there. But what did you see from your perspective with that wreck in particular? Yeah. Um, so I mean, first off, the start was pretty terrible. Uh, I think that we should have done a better job getting packed up earlier on in the in the lap there, formation lap. And so for the last seven, eight cars, um, we weren't even connected to the front front part of the field there, you know, when the green flag was thrown. So I think that that combination of deals just made it that much worse going into turn three because we were trying to make up ground that was lost in, you know, even before the green flag was thrown. And so coming around turn three there, we were all pretty single file. I had the two Funko's cars in front of me and I watched them check up a little bit and go to the inside. And in my mind, I was like, oh, they're checking up and trying to avoid a wreck that maybe is spinning to the inside. Um, you know, I thought that maybe someone clipped the wall on the exit of turn three and then was like drifting over. And so I said, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to jump out of line, go around on the outside. 
Well, as soon as I even took a peek out, I was like, no, that was the wrong thing to do. I saw Devlin there spinning and uh, I think the other Meyer Shank car, which was Helio. And so I, I knew immediately, I was like, that was a terrible choice. So I loaded down and that's where you saw me slide the car sideways. Um, and I thought I was going to escape through, but uh, Simon just caught her, caught her right side. And there's not enough room on street courses when you got that many cars stacked up in, in a tight space. And you ended up having a you know pit slap a new nose on the car, and I know you're a little bit surprised that you're able to continue on, but just for a while and you were in a little bit of no man's land as the only guy I lapped down just during that portion of the race with it, it was probably over half the race it felt like just what was that approach for you guys knowing that you know you're on like you could get your lap back, but it's like you're kind of just racing yourself in a way. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that that was a good spot for me to be in. I, I learned a lot during that time. Um, you know, part of IndyCar racing is that it's not just about raw speed. And so you got to be able to save fuel, save tires, uh, manipulate where your lap times are going to be so that when the other guys pay, you can do a longer stint, et cetera. And so we were trying to do an overcut essentially on the leaders to get our, our lead lap back. And um, at some point during the race there, it worked out. So we were able to do a splash and go at some point um, to get that longer stint in. And then I just worked on saving fuel. And for me, that was really good practice because I could do it outside of traffic. I could do it away from other cars. I could do it just to, to see what my best number could be while holding a good good lap time. And then the caution flags and everything else, um, it was also a good chance to, to see how much fuel we could save on, under caution, trying different techniques there. Um, and so for me, I thought it was actually an okay spot to be in um, considering, you know, where we started the first lap, you know, hitting, getting in that crash and uh, then continuing on. Who was to say that uh, that wasn't the best thing that could have happened for me in my first race, just to just to get some experience and by myself run out some laps? As with all those cautions, cars getting wrecked, and you were you were like thirteenth with on the lead lap, three laps to go. So that was, you know, huge. I'm sure for you. And just you know, what happened in those final few laps where you ended up going back to sixteenth? Yeah. So we actually didn't have a chance to run the alternates in a long stint um, like we the other drivers might have. And so going to that last stint, we put the alternates on and I was trying to do quality style lap times. And I just didn't realize how fast they were going to go off. I ended up boarding the right front tire and then went long in turn 10, uh, just trying to stay out of the way of the, the, the leaders and uh, trying to push for lap time. And I just locked the right front and went straight. So definitely a big lesson of what not to do there. Um, we did find a few things in the car that might have been able to help us. But uh, for me, I, that, that was a big mistake on my part. And so I felt bad for the team to lose those few positions. But, um, you know, considering the day that we had, uh, a little more attrition didn't seem too bad at the end of it. And it just seemed like the like the intensity of the overall race itself, the atmosphere was a little bit higher. And, you know, there was a good bit of tippers for Laren, whether it's Will Power and Colton Herta or Grosjean and McLaughlin. Yeah. Just how was that intensity for you? And just uh, how does that differ from like Indy Next? I definitely felt it. And I think I felt it through the whole weekend. Um, and for me, that's because the driver field is just so stacked. I mean, you look up and down the lineup and there's no room. Um, and you you talk to any other driver on the field and they're going to say like, oh man, if I were to have been a 10th and a half faster, I would have been four spots up, whatever it is. So, um, to me, it's just like a, another level of competition that we haven't seen, in, um, in other series, you know, Indy next was pretty competitive last year. Um, but there, there's drivers to fill in those gaps. Now there, there's no sort of, um, 
uh, I don't even know how to say it. Like there, there's no sort of margin to driver to driver, you know, it's all filled up. So um, I think that that just requires guys to be more aggressive, like we saw with Roman and, and Scott. And also, you know, I, I think that going into the season, everyone's kind of fighting for that top dog spot for the, you know, previous history, I think that Dixon was kind of the standard and then Newgarden came in and those two guys were kind of the, the baseline. But with Will Power coming in this last season and winning the championship and Alex Pelot for that matter, you know, the last last couple of championships have gone to guys that were um, probably not the most known ahead of time or not the most um, favored driver going into the, into the start of the season. So I think everyone is trying to get on that early and, uh, We'll see how the season goes. I, I hope that that's a, that tames uh, down a little bit, um, but definitely going to a street race, you see the the elbows come out a little bit more, and um, that doesn't pay off with the concrete barriers. And final question going regarding St. Pete's. What was your biggest takeaway from the weekend, and how can you move forward? Um, you know, I think that our biggest takeaway from the weekend was the lack of testing that we got during the off season. You know, it's a long time off with, without sitting in the car. And so for me, um, just lacking ultimate pace, um, over the course of the weekend, but during the race, I felt like we were within a window, um, on the fuel saving times that we could actually run in a pack, um, and, and pretty competitively. So, and so I felt good about that. And then from there, um, I, I learned a lot about the alternate tires. I started working a lot better with my engineers and, and with Dale. Um, and so I think that overall it was, it was a productive weekend to build communication and just settle into the team a bit more. And then going to Texas, I know that the team's got a good oval car. Um, Takuma finished, or I, I guess he qualified third there last year. Um, and so for me, I, I have a good baseline to work from. I know there's a few technical changes that have happened to the car. And so we did the rookie test there and got to feel it out a little bit and make some changes from there going to the end of the race weekend. And yeah, Texas, obviously, next, um, you had a test there. You had a test at Barber during that time span. I guess start off with the uh, test in Barber. Just what were your takeaways from that? Because I know you've, that's, I believe that's, no, that's, I don't know. I was thinking Mid-Ohio as favorite track. But um, yeah, how did that test go with uh, Barber first off? Yeah, Barber is definitely one of my favorite tracks because it's so fast. Everything flows together so well, and it's just a beautiful facility. Um, and so for me, it was good to go there in an Indy car. And I think the the initial reaction was, oh my goodness, these cars got some serious downforce. Um, and that was, I think, the first time that I really felt the downforce of the car compared to the Indian X car. Um, you know, thermal was probably similar for high speed, but I didn't have that baseline to feel what, what it was like compared to last season's car that I was in. And so I, I guess the test day went all right. We didn't have the the pace at the end of the day that we wanted to. And I think that you know, small things here and there would have moved us up even a half second. So those are big steps to be taking in an IndyCar. Um, and I think going to the race weekend, I'm going to be in a much better spot knowing where the car is going to be, um, knowing what it needs for me. And then I think the team, um, we, we did find a few issues and, uh, you know, just knocking the rust off. So it was really good to get in and, and see where we line up a little bit and uh, just learn a thing or two. You know, I, I think that IndyCar around Barber is definitely, definitely a bigger bigger deal because of the high speed nature of the track and um, the better dampers of the IndyCar allow you to just manipulate everything so much more efficiently and effectively. Then you went to Texas Motor Speedway, 200 plus miles an hour around that insane <laughs> track. Uh, just how would you describe that sensation of speed, especially that first time going out there? Because 
Is that your first time going 200 miles an hour in, in like a race car? Yeah, I guess yeah it, it was my first time. Um, that's the first time in my life I've had my breath taken away by the sheer speed of a race car. I mean, I was going around probably second or third lap in fourth gear going, oh my goodness. And so, um, you know, at, at some point I had to let my left foot drop over on top of my right foot. So I didn't lift just to go flat. Um, and it was really good. You know, I, I think that I was expecting less of what the car was capable of doing. Um, and so to roll off and just go flat in the first session, I thought was pretty exciting. Um, and, you know, that day that we were on track, we had tornado warnings at the end of the day. And so it was raining, it was windy. So all those things that affected how we were handling on the racetrack. But, um, you know, I think that going into the race weekend, had I not had that, that time on track, I would be in a way different spot, you know, confidence levels up. Um, I know where the track's going to be. I got my eyes, I, uh, focal points down on the racetrack, um, so that I can, you know, turn in here, apex is here, try different lines. Um, and it was actually really cool too. Just the whole experience of being there. Um, obviously the speed is insane. You know, I, I think that every time I got out of the car, the team could see, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is so fun. This is the crazy track. And I don't understand how we're going to race here, but, um, I actually had Poncho Carter as my, my spotter for that test. And after the weekend, I got to sit down and talk with him and Dale a little bit and just listen to some of their stories. And so for me, that was really cool. That was probably the highlight of the weekend next to driving 220 miles an hour. And I think it was like the biggest tracks in terms of ovals you've run on has been Iowa and Gateway and Indy Nexus. Do those tracks give you a bit of comfort or is that just, is Texas is such a no. unique animal? No, it is. I, I don't even understand how they can be compared as ovals. Because <laughs> for me, Gateway and Iowa, um, I mean, and they are for IndyCar, they, they're short ovals. And so you actually have turns that you have to make. In Texas, it's like you can't see the end of the turn. And so in your mind, you have to be looking so far up the road that you're almost picturing it like a long curving straightaway. And so it's like, how do you stay flat down this long curving straightaway? And so, uh, yeah, it was definitely a different experience because you just have to look so much farther ahead because the speeds are so high. I mean, you look down at your dash for one second and you're 320 feet up the road. And so at any rate, that's that's insane, right? You, you blink and you're halfway through the racetrack. It's <laughs> gonna be crazy. I mean, just so going into Texas this weekend, um, what do you feel is gonna be the biggest challenge for you to overcome during you know with the weekend first off, but then racing on Sunday? Um, I don't know yet. We'll find out when we get there. <laughs> you know, I think that after St. Pete, I saw a good example of um, you know, what I need to work on for pit stops, et cetera, and just staying clean. And you know, Texas is always an interesting track, I think, because the speeds are so high and with that PJ one compound on the upper, upper line, um, it limits what you're able to do as far as racing goes. And so it'll be a good, good trick to just roll off the truck, um, as a strong car in the field and qualify. Well, getting that position early on in the weekend, I think it's going to pay much bigger dividends than it would be just to fight through and have the raw race pace. Um, and so for me, I think that the goal of the weekend is to qualify, uh, better than we did last year or better than we did. Sorry, not last year, but at St. Pete, um, similar to where Takuma was last year. Um, and I know that's a, a big standard for, for me to hold to myself, but um, I know the team's capable of doing it. So it's just a matter of working together and getting the job done. You mentioned the PJ1. I know that's made race a sketchy there for DCAR the past couple of years. Uh, was there, you think there's going to be a potential for a second lane or, you know, did you like test that at all during the 
testing or not really is because it's you know we want to get your bearings straight yeah we didn't really test that um the one time i did test it i didn't really want to be there <laughs> um just got a little high trying something new and uh, it didn't really pay off but uh it'll be interesting you know the track didn't progress a whole lot while i was there at the test because there's only three of us drivers on track and with the rain and wind and everything else cool temperatures um it just didn't grip up and so we'll see what it's like with 26 other cars out there um and i, I think that indycar will do a good job of giving us some time to run that second lane and work it in a little bit but um it is sketchy you know that pj1 compound is definitely something that i haven't dealt with before and so for any sort of racing experience you want to have a little bit of margin for error and there there's just not and you're doing 220 miles an hour so um for me it, it's a bit of an interesting thing that we're even going there um just because like I, I haven't even experienced what it's like to drive 220 miles an hour um in a race car and not to mention we're going to be racing other guys with one and a half lanes to drive on so um i'm sure it tightens up during the race we'll see how it goes as long as you keep it all four wheels on the track, I mean, I feel like that's gonna probably gonna be <laughs> assignment one. And you know, as you get through the weekend, only get quicker and better, and you know, all part of the learning process. And I'm sure Texas is probably not gonna be the most like enjoyable aspect of like the season. Just knowing that, oh goodness, this is the first time ever on an oval at this speed. But I mean, it'll help you with Indy as well. I'm sure in, in some way absolutely and i think that's the goal is we're going to try and make it a, a learning weekend and um finish lap you know i said that at the beginning of the season that the goal is just to spend the first four races of the year finishing every lap and not making mistakes and so for me um part of that is you know i, I want to qualify better and that's just the, the driver and me wanting to, to do more um but you know i got to keep my focus right and make sure that i'm not getting too far ahead of myself and just keeping the car together and bringing it home at the end of the day and, and and that'll help us in Indy. You know, having a good good experience in Texas, I think, just builds confidence for going that quick at Indy. And uh, it's a completely different racetrack, but I think that the same principles apply. And so for me, um, I'm going to be working with the team just to figure out what I need to do to get ready for Indianapolis for the 500. And uh, I think that they have a lot of experience and some good knowledge for his previous success last few years. And uh, obviously, Takuma was an oval maestro, it seems like. And so to have his knowledge and experience from being with the team last year, I think that everyone's in a pretty good spot of where, where they know that they need to be. Um, but we don't know yet. You know, we, we'll, we'll confirm that once we get into the race weekend. It should be interesting. And, you know, we'll make sure to tune in. Uh, we'll get your plug here at the end of the episode of where to tune in <laughs> and everything else. But uh, heading into random questions, um, are you ready for uh, whatever the heck I just thought of on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So I guess I was watching Bus Bros the other day <laughs> in light of <laughs> uh, Joseph Newgarden and Scott McLaughlin calling you out on the show for guessing that you have the worst taste in music in the paddock just solely based on they don't know much about you. So I guess putting a little spin on it, what's a song that you're not ashamed to rock out to or a genre, whether that's in the car, while you're driving somewhere or at the gym? My go-to lately has been Forrest Frank. Um, he just came out with a, a new song called No Longer Bound. And uh, it, it's cool to see, you know, a sort of pop um, artist kind of turn to his Christian roots. And so that's what I've been listening to lately. He is uh, one of the band members of Surfaces. And so I've listened to their music last few years. And then to see him kind of go out on his own is pretty cool. And go on with that. Uh, gosh, in terms of music, I mean, I feel like, 
I'm not I'm nowhere near country. I mean, look at me, but I feel like I've kind of randomly just listened to country here recently just because it's I don't know. I feel like you kind of go through these stages in life where one moment you're listening to hard rock, next moment Christian music. And obviously, you know, still listen to Christian music and everything else, but then it's I just feel like kind of you're driving down the road and I feel like you're kind of in that chill type of let me listen to this backcountry road type <laughs> type of yeah. vibe. So. I'm right there with you. Growing up in Idaho, country music is definitely on my playlist. So um, if you haven't yet, Luke Combs just released a new album. So go give that a listen. I think uh, it came out last week, I want to say. I was at Pit Fit training and uh, some of the guys put it on. And I was like, whoa, what is this? I haven't heard this before. And like, it's Luke Combs. This is new stuff. I was like, oh, all right. I can get down with this. It's, it's good. I have not heard that yet. I'm going to have to, because I know I've liked some of his stuff before. So that's definitely going to be on the Spotify playlist here soon. Um, There you go. So what's a place that you've never been to, but you would love to visit someday? Oh, I I think top of my head immediately, New Zealand comes to mind. It's just beautiful there. Um, I've heard such good things from people that I know that used to live there, or lived there at some point in their life. Um, So yeah, New Zealand top of the list i kind of want united states because i don't i mean yeah of course i'm gonna i mean paris you could say or you know, new zealand that's a great place i've heard that's like a more low-key type of place to be at um but i went with like toronto i know you've you know been there for at least racing wise i think toronto yeah. would be cool sounds like a really you know nice city and obviously racing's there too so i'd have to go to an IndyCar race if we're gonna if we're gonna go <laughs> there uh that or nashville i think I think we're hoping to go to Nashville this year, but you know, that'd be interesting to, you know, check out that city and everything else. Yeah. I think that's a good choice. Nashville's a crazy race. So if you get a chance to go, I'd recommend. Yeah. That's going to be crazy. Uh, and final question for random question generator, which, which generators me, uh, which snacks <laughs> are a must have for road trips? Road trip snacks. Oh man. I've spent too much time on the road to pick one. Um, variety is always good when you're stuck in the car for many hours. Um, but for me, I've always really enjoyed the peanut butter pretzel bites. Those are a go-to. And, uh, I always have a little bit of jerky in the back seat, ready to go whenever I get, uh, the need for some protein. Um, I think I've always used sunflower seeds actually on road trips. Those keep me awake. And so, that's kind of a, a hack for long road trip days is to pop some sunflower seeds in your mouth and just head on your way. That's funny. It's like my, I know my grandpa, he had flower, like the, the flower seeds for how many years? Like it's like the David's and I, it's always iconic. It's like, you know, names, David, you know, but yep. <laughs> I, I've never had those before, but I'm going to have to at some point, but yeah, you mentioned like, like a jerky, I, you know, I was had like slim Jim type of thing, a beef stick. I think those are type like packed with proteins that always helps. I think what, granola bar, like a little like these like these wheat thins slash cheese type of like you know combo thing. Oh yeah, kind of put them together and you're like, oh, this is just fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say those I like are it. definitely top on the list for sure. Um, so that's honestly all the time that we have today for episode seven. Uh, look out for the next episode of Behind the Helmet here soon. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Um, Stingray, where can we follow you first off? Well, if you guys want to watch the races, um, you can watch on the NBC Sports uh, broadcast or on the NBC Sports uh, app, which is Peacock TV. And then our next race is April 2nd at Texas Motor Speedway. And then uh, if you want to follow me, 
all of my social medias are at Stingray Rob, except for Twitter. We wanted to change that up and keep you guys guessing. So it's at Sting underscore Ray underscore Rob. And then my website is www.stingrayrob.com. And then on all those platforms, Rob is spelled with two Bs. So Stingray Rob with two Bs. There you have it. I like it. That's the first time I've heard you have to like include the second B in Rob. <laughs> is there like something like happened with that or like someone like got it wrong? No, I think that there was a question that came up the other day. And so I was just like, huh, okay, I should probably start clarifying that it's Stingray Rob, two Bs. <laughs> Always good to just clarify for that. Uh, yeah, make sure you guys tune into the uh, race at Texas Motor Speedway here this weekend on NBC. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll have another episode here soon. And uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you later.